he is the Lord. Amen. We're going to read from God's Word this morning, uh, and kind of continuing on from uh, where we left off last week, or uh, where we got to last week. Uh, we looked at Ezekiel last Sunday morning, and we touched on these words from John's Gospel, chapter 7, uh, and we're going to read John 7, verse 37 uh, to 39 uh, once again, and that's on page 893 of the Pew Bibles, or there or thereabouts, uh, and it will appear on the screens before you as well. But I always encourage you, if you can, uh, I'd open up God's Word. It's Keep it in front of you as we journey through. It's good to know uh, how to get through the, the pages of, of Scripture. Um, so let's open God's Word together from John 7, verse uh, 37 to verse 39. And we're thinking, like I said, we're continuing where we left off last week um, about Ezekiel, uh, about the river um, flowing from the temple. And we thought about giving God our all. We're saying that you can have it all, Lord. Uh, and this morning, I want us to, just to, to build upon that. Uh, and I think we'll probably do that over the next, uh, the next few weeks. It wasn't really what I had in mind for the start of this year, but the Lord works how the Lord works. And he's led uh, put this on my heart uh, for us as a, as a church, uh, and we're going to look at kind of living in the river, and then we're going to journey through looking a wee bit about the Holy Spirit uh, and where the Holy Spirit is in Scripture and what that means for us as followers of Jesus here, um, here and here and now. Let's read God's Word together. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he had said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Amen. And may God bless to us the reading of his holy word. So just, uh, just let's start at verse 39, just to kind of uh, unpack that a wee bit. Um, John is speaking about the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. John, um, through this, is kind of... Uh, He's telling us about the life of, of Jesus and what Jesus did and what Jesus said. And then John kind of adds in this wee comment just to give us a wee bit of context. Because when Jesus said this, when Jesus was saying these words that John records in chapter 7, Jesus at this point had not yet died and Pentecost had not yet happened. So um, don't misunderstand that. We're not waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit is now here. Jesus, the, the glorification of, of Jesus was his, his death and his resurrection. Uh, and then he's a, he sends to heaven. And after his ascension, we have the day of Pentecost where the Spirit is poured out on all um, sons and daughters of God. So that is what John is saying here. But as Jesus is speaking these words, he had not yet um, he had not yet uh, died, his glorification had not yet happened, and Pentecost had not yet taken place. So that is what John means. So um, when Jesus is saying these words, he is kind of pointing forward to what is yet to happen in Jesus' day. But for us, now we look back and we see that it's already happened, that Jesus has died, his glorification has happened, and Pentecost has taken place, and the Spirit is now here. 
Last Sunday, we looked at Ezekiel 47 together, and we thought about surrendering everything that we have and all that we are um, to God. We looked at Ezekiel's vision of the temple and the river that flowed out from that temple, and we thought about how the source of the river wasn't the temple building itself, um, but it was actually the presence and the glory of God. And from this temple came a river of living water, which we saw Ezekiel through his vision that it increases in depth as he goes along the riverbank. And we saw that wherever the river went, everywhere that the river touched, that life came. There was trees with leaves of healing on them at the banks. There was fish now, um, and fishermen fishing for fish where fish never used to be, that as the river eventually ended up flowing into the Dead Sea, that now life was in that place, a place that was dead, was now alive because the river of God had touched it. And we saw last Sunday the crescendo of this vision that life and prosperity, and healing, and restoration, and hope that there was future for God's people, that where God's presence would go, that these things would come. And I want to challenge us, friends, that actually it isn't ours to keep. You know, one of the programs I love watching is, um, is it called, uh, it's about hoarding. I can't remember what the actual TV show is called. Um, Anyway, where people gather all this stuff and they have to get people to come in and, and clean their house. I love it because it makes me feel like I'm actually not that dirty and our house is actually okay. Um, but when you watch it, you see the, the, the amount of stuff that people keep. And there's obviously there's reasons for that and, and why people do that. And actually, I think the church is really guilty for hoarding onto the blessings of God. It's not ours to keep. We're blessed to bless. Actually, we're meant to pour out. We're meant to give. We're going to give away. What God has given us, we aren't meant to keep for ourselves. And we thought about last Sunday that our heart is not to see more activities take place in Sandy Hills. Our aim shouldn't be to get more people into the church, but actually our desire is to see a deeper understanding and revelation and encounter of God's presence in this place. Because when that happens, all these other things take care of themselves. Transformation, friends, comes through an increase of his presence. It comes through the increase of him. Friends, that we may increase is the wrong way to think. The Bible says that he may increase and that we may decrease. And as I was preparing this, I go to a number of different presbytery meetings and stuff, and we're, we're talking about so much church closure, and why are so many buildings, why are so many churches ceasing to be? It's because we've got that the wrong way around. In so many places, what we're seeing is God decreasing and our desires, our wants, things that we want to happen, we see that increasing. Lord, never let that happen here. We want to see him increase in this place. I was speaking this week to a couple of gentlemen, and we were talking about kingdoms and empires. Churches can be so guilty of not seeking to build a kingdom 
but seeking to build their own empire. We don't want to see Sandy Hills flourish. We want to see the kingdom of God come. Whether that's through us as a church or whether it's not, it's irrelevant to me. What I want to see happen is God's will be done. People come to faith and the kingdom of God break out in amazing ways. Our focus shouldn't be on the prosperity of Sandy Hills Parish Church. We should be keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus and pursuing him whatever the cost. And I want to let us into a wee secret as we begin this year. Some will find this offensive. All should know it. But sadly, few fully grasp it. Church is not about you. Let me say that again. Church is not about you. It isn't about you. And if that's what you're looking for, I'm telling you, you'll be severely unhappy in this place. We cannot be a church that meets for ourselves. Those days are gone. In this house, in this God's house, we are here for Him and Him alone. And it is all about Him and it is all for Him. Yes, we can have stylistic preferences. Yes, there can be things that we like and maybe even prefer. But if they come at the cost of unity, if they come at the detriment of the glory of God, then that's not church, that's an idol. And I'm not for building idols in this place. We will tear them down and we will see the throne of Jesus Christ built in this place. That is our hope and our prayer. I still remember the look on someone's face when they came to me with a barrage of complaints about not liking this and hating that. And then the hymns, they said, don't get me started on the hymns. I don't like any of the ones that we sing. And at this point, I was a little annoyed by this point. And I said to them, that's okay. They aren't about you or chosen for you anyway. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. The person was really irritated at that point. But it's true. It's true. They're not for us. They're not about us. They're about seeking him and giving him glory. He must increase and we must decrease. We must rid this place of pride. And we must guard our hearts from it. Can we truly say that all that we do, that all that we are, that our sole reason for being in this place is for the glory of God. And I love that so many in here have put aside their preferences, they've put aside their worship styles, that they've forgone the dress code that they probably prefer, that actually they've seen traditions that maybe that they like, that they've fallen now. And I love that so many of you here have given those things away. I love it. And I know that for some of you, the change has been hard. And for some of us, it's been too much. But those of you who are still here, who have said, God, you can have all of Sandy Hills, even if it's at the cost of my preferences and what I like. Friends, that is so powerful. To say, God, 
Even sometimes, though, he doesn't, well, all the times he doesn't wear a collar and things like that. But we're seeing souls saved. Lord, let families be one. Let there be salvations. Let there be transformations. I want to thank you as your minister. You have made ministering here so much easier than it could have been. There's been challenges along the way. I'll save them for another day. And when I speak to my colleagues and they share with me the difficulty and the opposition that they've been met with and the hostility for doing anything different and anything new, and I can say with all sincerity, that's not been my experience. The people have said, actually, let's chase after God. He's more important than what I want and what I think. And as your minister, I want to say I thank you. And I want to say I love you. You're a wonderful, wonderful congregation. And beloved, we need to cultivate in this place a place where God is so welcome, where he knows that we cannot live without him, that we are all for him. We must pray more. We must pray longer. We will worship more. We will worship longer. Why? Because he is worthy. I pray this will be a year of transformation. And transformation comes where the presence of God flows. For wherever the river goes, Ezekiel says, there will be life. And last week we touched on these words from John 7, where Jesus stands and he says on the last day of the feast, the great day, if anyone thirsts, and we'll get to that in a minute. This week I was speaking with Becca about the difference about being a follower of Jesus now, or a follower of God now, and being a follower of God in the Old Testament. And obviously there are lots of differences, but I think there are two that, that I want to mention. First, the, the curtain is torn in two. But actually we have a high priest now that we can, we can get direct access to the Father through Jesus. But the second is this, that we are now the temples of God. Hopefully, 1 Corinthians is going to pop up on the screen. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 says this. Do you know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? The you there is plural. The you there is plural. He's not just speaking to the one or two or to the high and mighty or to the elders. He's speaking to the followers of Jesus, to the church in Corinth. You are, the, are God's temple and the spirit of God dwells in you. And we see this temple theme develop throughout the passages of Scripture. And it's always been God's desire to dwell, to commune, to be with His people. That's where we see Genesis when the world is created. He says, let us make man in our image. And, and, and God walks with them in the garden. But then sin comes and sin brings this separation. But God's desire was still to commune. It was still to be, it was still to dwell with His people. Then we see the people of Israel wandered the desert and God's presence was with them through what was called the tabernacle, that they would carry this portable tent around with them. And whenever they would set up camp, they would build and put the tent back up. This tabernacle it was like a portable temple and God's presence would come and fill it so that God could still be with his people. God's presence would go with them. 
Then as they entered the promised land, they no longer needed, because they settled, they no longer needed this kind of portable tabernacle or portable temple. So we see Solomon build the temple in a more fixed place where God's presence came and filled and His glory resided. Then we spoke about the temple being destroyed last week, but in the New Testament, we see this continued development of the theme of God wanting to be near His people. We read of in John 1 of Jesus, in the Word made flesh, He's made His dwelling among us. I said, that's like, that word dwell is like He's pitched up a tent beside us. And then we see Paul bring it to a more mind-blowing kind of conclusion where we see that no longer do we need a, temp- uh, a temple that is portable. No longer is it just a place that we have to go to go to, to meet uh, the Lord. But actually, as followers of Jesus, because of Jesus' glorification, because of Pentecost, we are now the temples of God as followers of Jesus. He's filled us. He dwells. He's made his dwelling inside of us. How are we the temples? How is that possible? Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians 3.16. God's spirit dwells in you. He has made you his dwelling place. He's filled you. It's amazing coming to church, but friends, You don't just have to come to church to meet the Lord. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have him. He's in you. He's filled you with his spirit. And that is so true. But listen to what Billy Graham once said. Everywhere I go, I find that God's people lack something. They are hungry for something. Their Christian experience is not all that they expected. And they often have recurring defeats in their lives. Christians today are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. The most desperate need of the nation today is that men and women who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. He could write that today. That is no less true today than it was then. That is still absolutely the truth. So many of us are living on fumes. So many of us feel like we're stuttering and spluttering along. We need a fresh filling. We need a fresh touch from heaven. So Jesus in John 7, he stands on the last day. And I love that because they would have been surprised because the custom was that when a teacher, when a rabbi was going to teach, he would sit. So as Jesus stands and he makes this declaration, it's kind of like, oh man, why is he not sitting down? They would have taken them a wee bit by surprise. And this festival or this feast was, and is still actually a custom within the Jewish people and their customs. They still follow this festival, which is, which is called like the Festival of the Tabernacles. It, 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 the Hebrew word means booths or tents. It is the festival of booths, or the festival of tabernacles, the festival of tents. And it's in, in the most simple kind of way of explaining it, without having to go into the whole kind of history of it and the context of it, the reason they would do it was to remind them of their forefathers, those that went before them, who God freed from slavery in Egypt as they wandered in the wilderness and as they put up these um, tents to live in as they journeyed towards the promised land. 
It commemorates their liberation from Egypt. So it's all about freedom and liberation from oppression. But what is amazing here is that Jesus ties the Holy Spirit into this festival that they had. Just as we saw Ezekiel 47 talk about the temple and the flowing river from it, here Jesus is standing at the festival of booths, the festival of tabernacles, and he's speaking about a river flowing again. Water was a huge part of this festival. And actually, one of the most important parts, which often takes place on the last day, is a prayer that they would pray, where they would pray for rain. So water was massively important within this festival that they had. And part of it, again, comes from the story of God's people, where Moses strikes the rock and water flew from it to provide them with water. So they would do lots of different ceremonies. They would go down to a pool and they would fill a jug and they would take it up to the altar and they'd pour water. They would pray for rain again. You're coming to, to, to help them get harvest and, and, and provide the, for the crops. They would kind of be thinking about the Moses striking the rock and water coming forth. So they're talking about water. They're thinking about water. And then Jesus stands up amazingly on the last day at the crescendo of this festival and he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. The whole thing here is about water. And Jesus stands up and says, I will quench your thirst. Here we have this most glorious of invitations. I don't know what you're searching for in this life. I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know what you need. But I do know that you have a thirst that can only be quenched by the living water of Jesus. And that invitation still stands, come to me and drink. Friends, only Jesus can say, come to me. All we and all I can say is, go to him the only person in this world that's ever been able to say, come to me, is Jesus. The rest of us are signposts saying, you need to go to him. He's amazing. He'll quench whatever you're looking for in this life. That thirst that you have, only Jesus can meet it. But then Jesus, after giving this invitation, speaks of um, kind of like a consequence of being in him, of believing, of having faith in him. Jesus then goes on and he speaks about this knock-on effect that happens when we put our faith in Jesus. He speaks about this chain reaction that takes place. Whoever believes in me, he says, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And John says that these words are about the Holy Spirit. In this context, Jesus stands up and says, any who are thirsty, come and I will give you a drink. And when we do that, Jesus then says that whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And those words, John says, are about the Spirit. Friends, the Holy Spirit isn't an added-on extra that you can choose if you want. 
I don't know why as a church we treat him like something, a buffet that we think, nah, leave him today. Without him, there is no church. Without him, there are no Christians. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. If you're a follower of Jesus, out of your heart should flow rivers of living water. Because that's what Jesus says. It's not just that I think it sounds like a good idea, but this is what Jesus tells us happened when we believe in him out of our hearts flow rivers of living water. One of the blessings, the most amazing things about believing in Jesus is the indwelling, is the company of the Holy Spirit in this life. Those who have the Holy Spirit are those who have believed in Jesus. Belief in Jesus is the prerequisite for the activity of the Holy Spirit in our life. And in this day of water where Jesus is speaking about rivers of living water, if you're thirsty, come to me. And we see John say, this is about the Holy Spirit. There are so many examples in the Old Testament of water symbolizing and, and being a, a sign that, uh, of the Holy Spirit and his activity that he would bring. We saw it last week with Ezekiel 47, the rivers of living water. But Isaiah 44 tells us this, that God says, I will pour water on the thirsty land, streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit upon your offspring." Zechariah says, in the day of latter rain, pray for more rain. In the days of the Holy Spirit, pray, pray for more activity of the Holy Spirit. In one verse, Jesus shows us that salvation in Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit go hand in hand. It's not something you have to then go on and achieve. It's not like a, you know, a promotion that you get, that, right, you've done your time service, you can now get the Holy Spirit in your life. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. But friends, in the days of later rain, pray for more rain. And as I think about this and I look around our nation and our denomination and maybe even our church, friends, when meeting after meeting that I'm part of where I see people being so switched off spiritually, where we can spend hours debating on the colors of curtains, but not give more than five minutes for prayer. I ask myself, how have we got, and I say the we, the royal we, how have we got to that place? How have the, has the church in Scotland got to such a place? And I put it to you, it's because we're less dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Martin Lloyd-Jones once said to his congregation. Got it all? I simply ask in the name of God, why then are you as you are? If you have got it all, why are you so unlike the New Testament Christians? Got it all? Got it all at your conversion? Well, where, where is it, I ask? A straight-to-the-point question. Why are we the way we are? How is the church the way it is in Scotland? Why is today's church not like the church in the New Testament? 
we have exactly what they had. We have exactly what they had. The Word of God. The power of the Spirit. It's all we need. So why are we the way we are? If we want to be an effective church, in fact, friends, if we want to be church at all, we must be a people who live in the river of the Spirit. We must walk in the Spirit. We must be filled by the Spirit. I don't know if I've ever shared this on a Sunday morning, but I'm going to share an encounter that I had when I was about 15 years old that left me changed forever. There was a conference taking place in Stornoway and I really couldn't be bothered going. Uh, I, was, I was a Christian, I would have said, and I, I'd asked the Lord in my life and you know, I believed in Him. But I think at that point though, the, I hadn't fully come to a realization of that salvation. And this conference was taking place, and I'd asked my mom to pay for it. And uh, it was a Friday and Saturday conference. And I decided uh, not to go on the Friday. I used to skive school. I used to skive everything. They skive conferences, skive school, whatever. And actually, on the Friday night, this is true, on the Friday night, I was out egging windows when I should have been at a church service thing. And we got caught egging the windows, and it got in big trouble. But thankfully, my mum, she'll probably know now because I've outed myself on the live stream. On the Saturday, though, I woke up and thought, do you know, she's going to ask me how it went, and I don't want to have to lie to her, so I'll go along. And I went along, and it was full of these happy clappers that just used to wind me up. People lifting their hands in worship, people clapping, and uh, just really irritated me. I thought, I'm going to stay for the first bit, and then I'm going to go. So we're standing in the worship service, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, honestly, this is, this is the truth, my hands just started going up like this, and I'm there trying to push them down, and I was mortified. And I, I didn't know what was going on. I was actually quite worried. My hands started to go up, and as they went up, I felt something kind of break off me. And that was fine. And I thought, you know what? That was okay. I'll stay around. And the next part of the conference was probably a wee bit more charismatic than anything. It was more charismatic than anything I'd ever been at in my life. And as people were going up for prayer ministry, there was people that started going down under the power of the Holy Spirit. And I sat there and watched and thought, what in the world is this nonsense that I'm seeing? And then all of a sudden... Uh, the speaker was, uh, who was leading it said, sometimes when the Holy Spirit is active, you might feel that the, 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 the palms of your hands or the bottom of your feet um, go really warm like they're on fire. And as she said that, my hands, it was as if I was touching flames. And I put them under my seat and I tried to, <laughs> tried to wipe the heat off them. I was like, I don't know what's going on here. This is a bit weird. And then she said, and sometimes, sometimes you begin to weep. And as she said that, I started weeping and weeping and weeping. And then she said, sometimes your eyelids will maybe start to flutter a wee bit as the Holy Spirit comes and as that power fills you. And my eyelids started fluttering. And then the next, probably what was about two, three minutes, 
were probably two or three of the best minutes of my life, where I was slain in the Spirit and the power of God filled me. And I, I could hear the worship that was going on, but there was this deep sobbing. I, I've never cried like it in my life. There was such a deep sobbing, a, a cry from the depths of my being. And the lady came over and prayed for me. And I, I don't remember her prayer. I, I couldn't hear her praying. The lady next to me, who was a godly woman, sat and wrote the whole thing down for me, and I've still got it. And in it, she was talking about, and this lady didn't know me or my situation at all. She talked about God healing a deep um, pain in my life, that he was putting his finger on something that was really sore, something that I had suppressed all my days. And I, I was uncontrollably crying. And I was never really someone to cry. I, I cry all the time now, but then I wouldn't have done it. And, and what was amazing, though, was that as, as this encounter was taking place with the Lord, I could hear um, one voice leading worship. And it was a guy called Norman Gunji, who was uh, my youth work worker in our church, who was a really a big influence on my life. And it turns out that he wasn't even in the room as I was hearing the lead worship. And this filling of the Spirit has changed the whole course of my life. Friends, we need him. We can play church. We can do church activities. We can go to events. But without him, without his power, without his guidance, without his presence, we're stuttering and spluttering along. And I honestly think that we've become too obsessed with religion and how we worship rather than relationship and who we worship. It's not about the how, it's about the who. It's all about him and it's all for him. I ask you this day, do you need a filling of the Holy Spirit? Do you need a fresh filling? Finish with this. Von Roberts once said, in Christ, we have everything. Absolutely, friends, we lack nothing in Jesus. But manifestly, we aren't living in the light of what we've received in Christ. We need the power of the Spirit to accompany us, to lead us and guide us. Beloved of Christ, let the stream of water flow up from your heart and be filled to overflowing. And may we be used by the Holy Spirit for the glory of God in this place. Let us pray. Lord, we take a moment to be still before you. We honor your presence. clear this place of idols and religion and we say come Lord Jesus come Lord I pray that you would fill us afresh fill us with your Holy Spirit Lord and I simply invite you friends if you want to, to hold out your hands if you need a fresh touch of heaven this morning I invite you to hold out your hands and in faith receive from him. Fill us, Lord, we pray.
fill us, God, we pray. May you increase and may we decrease. Pour out heaven's rain upon us, we pray. In the latter days of rain, we pray for more rain. We need more of you, Lord, in this place. Less of us and more of you. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us. Maybe for the first time. Maybe we're feeling low, though, and we need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit in this moment. Fill us, we pray, Lord. We have everything we need in Christ. Equip us. Empower us, we pray. Not for our empire, but for your kingdom, for your glory, for your honor. Amen.